Hello and welcome to Should I Get Bangs. I'm your host, Julia Razi, and today I had I had just recorded a whole episode with my sister Elena, who is also a licensed therapist, and we answered questions from listeners. There was a technical issue. The episode didn't record. My internet went out. I use the internet to record episodes with people remotely. Anyways, I don't have that episode for you. I was supposed to have a guest. They had to reschedule, so it's okay. I mean, if there's anything this last year's lifetime has taught me, you can't always plan and plans change. And there's way worse things that can happen. And so no big, I don't have a full episode and full new episode with another person for you. Um, So I was just going to come on and share that with you. But then I know I I just saw that um, it's Conan's last show uh, this week. And so I thought I would share a story about mental health, my mental health and how Conan really affected it. Um, I told the story on a podcast called Difficult Women about a month ago. If you heard me on that, I guess you could stop this podcast because I'm going to retell that story. Um, I haven't really, I don't think I've shared this anywhere else. But um, so uh, January 2019, uh, I got approved to do stand up on Conan. And for those of you listening who don't know how the comedy industry works, uh, late night television works, basically, you know, as a comedian, at least my path to doing it is um, you send tapes to the booker or your reps send tapes to the booker. They give back notes. You you may have to tape again uh, using their notes. Sometimes they just pass. Um, with me, I had wanted to do stand up on um, time, and my desire to do it changed frequently, or my reasons, my motivation. Uh, sometimes it was because I wanted to do comedy on a TV show, plain and simple, and I I had something I wanted to share. Other times it was this anxiety that I hadn't done it yet. It was taking too long for me to do it. Um, I've been doing comedy all this time. Why haven't I done late night? Everyone else has done it. Why not me? It was a lot about other people. It was a lot about looking or appearing a certain way or not being left out. Uh, Fairness, justice, you know, it was unjust that I hadn't done it. But the truth was, I don't know that I have always been very good at taking notes. Um, I get, I I used to get very hurt by notes. Um, I used to quit things before I could get feedback. I would, you know, if I didn't, I didn't know that you had to try and fail and that failing or I sort of hate even calling it failing, but trying and maybe not getting the result you hoped for immediately uh, doesn't mean you need to give up and people giving you, you know, people that you trust, giving you constructive feedback, 
constructive criticism, notes to improve, opinions. Again, people that you trust, not, you know, just any random person on the internet, but but the, your audience, your core audience, or your boss, or your good friend, or whoever it is that's giving you the feedback, uh, that that doesn't mean that you fucked up because you didn't get it right the first time. Feedback usually means the person you're getting feedback from believes in you and sees something and likes something. And they're giving feedback because they want to help you improve and meet your goals. So I didn't really understand that concept for a very long time in my life. Um, I think it's because I was dealing a lot with anxiety and depression and depression tells you or told me that uh, I was a failure and I was worthless and my depression would seek out the validation of others regardless of if it was even something I wanted validation for and then my anxiety would then play over the conversations that I had with people the validate the validation that I was seeking that the validation that my depression was seeking was then being obsessed over by my anxiety. That's what I'm trying to say. So the depressed part of me wanted the validation and thought I was a piece of shit until someone else told me otherwise. But then my anxiety would about what somebody told me otherwise, if that makes sense. So yeah, I wasn't, really great at getting feedback when my depression and anxiety were not comprehending things the way that they were even being spoken to me, you know, um, just really insecure and hurt easily and felt like a failure easily. And, and those are the waves I would go, I didn't feel that way constantly, you know, feelings are usually not constant a hundred percent of the time, but when I would feel very anxious, it would manifest in that way. Or when I felt depressed, it would manifest in that way in this, you know, validation seeking, but also obsessively analyzing, you know, feeling that kind of social anxiety. Anyways, um, so as I've probably mentioned on this podcast before, um, I, I take Zoloft, I take, uh, same dose that I took the first time I took it, 50 milligrams. And I think the first time that I went on it was 2010, perhaps somewhere around there, give or take a year. I would say more give a year, but around 2010, 2011, I went on Zoloft. And I, from that moment, went on and off it. I'm going to guess about, Jesus, anywhere from nine to 13 times. I, I don't know the exact number. I'm sure if I went back in my journals, which I side note, think about burning all the time because I don't know why I have them. And I guess for times like this, when I want to go fact check something. So um, uh, I, what would happen with me in medication is I would take it. My mood would get more balanced, you know, I would still get sad sometimes and I would still have anxiety sometimes, but 
it didn't debilitate me in the way that it would when I would kind of fall pretty hard. And the second I would feel better or more balanced, I would go off the Zoloft because I thought it was better. Um, I also at different times was, you know, practicing meditation or doing a lot of yoga or seeing a new therapist or doing some kind of new healing method, energy healing or acupuncture, chiropractor, whatever it was. So, or CBD, that was another big one where I did a whole, you know, I'm taking CBD and I'd be like, well, I think the CBD is what's making me feel better and that's more natural. And I don't want to have this synthetic drug in my system. And if I just, you know, keep meditating every morning, then that's probably what's really working. And I just would always talk myself out of accepting that the medication was working and the medication in addition to all those other healing things was helping. Um, Side note, if the audio is not as good right now, um, it's because all of my recording equipment is in my office. And to get to my office, I have to cut through my daughter's room and she's sleeping. I could go through the porch, but then I have to put on shoes and I'm sorry. Uh, I had a lot of audio issues today and I, you know, um, so uh, where was I? Oh, going off Zoloft. So Zoloft works for me, but I wasn't able to accept that. Or maybe I didn't know that fully. That's also a possibility. All I know is I went on and off it multiple times. And as I got older, the times that I went off of it, I seemed more intense I don't know if that's true, if that's a true medical thing that happens, but uh, my depressions would get darker and darker and my anxiety would get more and more ramped up. And so I was on this roller coaster of, uh, you know, depression, anxiety and balance for 10 years, uh, just about 10 years, a little under 10 years nine years. And um, so 2019, uh, I was off the loft, uh, where my loft heads at. And um, (laughs) uh, for anyone who doesn't know anything about Zoloft, it is a uh, SSRI, which I always forget the difference between SSRIs and SSIs. But uh, I think some other SSRIs are is you know what, I'm not going to spew medical information without Googling it first. Anyways, so Zoloft, I wasn't on it in 2019. I was not on it when I got the approval to do Conan. And because I wasn't on it, the approval to do it really, I started obsessing about it. Uh, When am I going to get my date? When is this going to happen? Um, because I got approved, but I wasn't given a date. They were, t- you know, I was told, okay, you know, you're ready to go, um, but we'll get back to you. I don't even know if they said they'll get back to me with the date. I just know that the set got the go ahead, and then it was kind of unclear about when it was going to happen. And I could feel myself grabbing onto this yes. And instead of, getting a yes, which of course feels good and it should feel good. And there's nothing wrong with a yes feeling good. But instead of this yes feeling good because I felt ready, I was really proud of how hard I worked. Um, 
I don't know, it just organically felt good. I was excited because it's a fun thing to do, you know, like instead of holding on to the yes in this gentle way, embracing the yes, that's the best way to put it. Instead, what I did is I clutched on to the yes as me now having value. And I held that yes so hard that I started choking it. And um, I had bought this green uh, jumpsuit for my Conan appearance. It was like one of the first things I did is I wanted to make sure I had uh, my outfit. And um, I got this green jumpsuit and I, you know, would see it in my closet. And every time I saw it, it was a reminder that I still uh, didn't have my date yet. And I started getting really mad. I started making up all these stories in my head that the booker didn't like me. Uh, you know, they were all at the We Hate Julia meeting because that's a crazy thing. No, not crazy, but a outrageous thing that I often think of. Um, and when I when I don't hear from someone or I don't get a you know an answer or I feel ghosted or whatever it is, and um, so every time I look at the jumpsuit, I felt that rejection. And then I think by mid-year, I had shoved the jumpsuit. The jumpsuit is made by an amazing company called Miracle Eye. They're located in Los Angeles. It's this uh, woman, and I believe her mom makes the jumpsuits with her. They fit phenomenally. They're this like, I don't know if it's polyester, but the fabric like hugs your curves just so perfectly and it looks so streamlined and funky. And anyways, check out Miracle Eye there. I want to get another one of their jumpsuits. They're amazing. Anyway, so that's what I got for the Conan appearance. And you know, all these months go by and I don't hear anything. And I'm being really paranoid. And I feel like my value is falling and I failed somehow. And I'm just, you know, choking and choking this yes. And of course I had every right to feel frustrated that I hadn't heard from them. And of course it's okay to be disappointed, but the way in which I let this yes mean everything to me. And then when I started to feel like the yes was turning into a no, which it hadn't, but it felt like it was a no, I let it destroy me. And that's because of my anxiety and depression. And I mean, this is like awful to admit, but like at the, t like my husband shot a, uh, half hour comedy central special watch it will miles um it's great and he shot that special and i think i got the yes for conan maybe the week before i went with him to new orleans to watch him shoot the special and part of why i was sad is because i was like oh this is so great like we're both doing something cool and then when my cool thing disappeared i felt less than my husband which is such a terrible feeling to have because the reason why we got married is because we feel like true equals. And I don't mean career-wise, I mean as humans, because um, your value is way beyond your career. And I didn't like that feeling that I was like comparing myself to my husband as if he had more value than me because he booked a job and I had less value because a job I booked wasn't happening as quickly as I wanted it to. So cut to October. 2019, uh, I am in Washington, D.C., 
And I'm supposed to be headlining uh, four shows, two on a Friday, two on a Saturday. And I get to DC and I remember this so, so much in my body. I can just feel the sensory memory. I got to DC and I crawled into the bed from the airport and I didn't want to get out of bed. I remember being hungry, but like didn't feel like leaving and get food. And before a show, when I'm touring, like I, you know, take some time to write out my set. Uh, I shower, I eat a good meal, you know, especially something fun and local. And I didn't do all that. I just laid in bed and I sobbed like that guttural sob that I've sobbed many times before. And it felt illogical. And this had nothing to do with the Conan thing. The Conan, you know, uh, the perceived rejection the, or the perceived yes and then no that I got from Conan was like hardcore feelings January through, I don't know, March or April. Um, so it was now October. It, it, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about that anymore. I was just in this DC um, hotel room and I didn't want to leave. And I called my husband and I told him, that I was feeling very depressed and, you know, I was proud that I was using language for it and I was reaching out to someone and I told him I didn't think I could do the shows. And he said, okay, like, are you sure? Do you want me to call the booker for you? Do you want me to try to find a replacement? Um, I said, maybe. And I, I laid down for a little bit longer and I, you know, I was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll go do the shows. And I was just like a zombie on stage. I mean, I, a lot of times, um, well, sometimes when you headline, like, you know, you're being, they want you to do at least, let's say 45 minutes, but they might say, you know, but if it's going really well, like, you know, keep going another 10, 15 or whatever. Right. This was not one of those situations. Like I got the light at 45. I was like, bye. Like got off the stage. Couldn't wait to get back to the hotel to lay down. Um, just felt very robotic. Um, I was miserable. I didn't want to be there. I hated it. And then I woke up the next day and I had to do two more shows that night. And I walked around DC and I went and got like a nice breakfast for myself. I journaled. I cried underneath my sunglasses while I was journaling and having breakfast. And I walked around. I went to the gardens. I did all these things. Um, and I just still felt this... It's like an emptiness and a fullness at the same time, like just feeling empty, but also just full of every feeling at the same time. And I meddled my way through those shows that night and I was like, all right, I'm definitely done with stand up. I hate it. Uh, I hate being around people. I hate talking. I hate everything. I hate myself. And I got on the plane the next day and I took up my journal. And I just started writing down every time in my life that I felt this depth of depression. And it was interesting because it was the first time that I really verbalized or, or wrote, you know, verbalized on paper that this experience of, of intense depression and anxiety mostly depression, um, wasn't just a thing that happened when I went on and off Zoloft. Um, 
I mean, the whole reason why I went on Zoloft is because experiencing depression and anxiety. But I mean, I didn't even realize that it it was in my twenties, my early twenties, my teens at times as a child. I I I don't know. I just it it all made sense now that that these dips were very constant and the way to not dip so far down um, is probably to go on medication, whatever medication that may be. Um, and, and so I can't remember if it was right before the DC trip, but I had made an appointment with a psychiatrist. Um, Cause I, I knew that I needed to commit to some kind of treatment plan, uh, probably pharmaceutical treatment plan, or maybe the psychiatrist was going to tell me the perfect weed to take, or I don't know. I know some people microdose mushrooms. I've thought about it, but I'm really scared to go off Zoloft again, to be completely honest, because I never want to feel the way I did in those deep hole times. But um, so I had the psych- uh, psychiatrist appointment coming up that I believe I booked before DC because I could feel myself dipping. And I made this list of all the times I felt depressed in my life. And my plan was to share it with my psychiatrist as though, you know, as if I needed evidence for her to be like, yeah, you're depressed and anxious. Um, It's pretty obvious. And so I was on the plane writing this list and I had a bunch of episodes of uh, NPR's Fresh Air on my phone. And I just randomly, the one that started playing was this episode with Conan O'Brien. And he talked about his own depression and anxiety, which I kind of knew he had, but I didn't know the extent of it. And he was really open and honest about it. And I, you know, he talked about, you know, all the things that I was feeling, the feeling down, the feeling, you know, anxious, the, all of it. And, um, and then he talked about being on medication and I had no idea he was on medication. And I don't know what it was, but there was just something about hearing him talk about it when he, to me, just comes across as, and I and I know from, you know, people who know it, like, he just has this warmth to him that um, I admire. And, and so to relate so strongly to his dark side was really comforting. And I was like, you know, I went from saying, you know, I'm going to go to the psychiatrist and, and probably go back on medication. I heard that Conan conversation and I was like, I will definitely go on medication. And I wasn't even thinking about doing late night on a show anymore. All I was thinking about was like, oh, I want to thank this guy. Um, or at least that I hope he knows that he is affecting people. Um, so I go to the, I got home and um, I think it was the day before I had the psychiatrist appointment, I made a vision board, <laughs> which I've always had mixed feelings about. I don't know, but I'd never like actually made one on paper. I always made lists or I've made like Pinterest boards, which I guess are sort of vision boards is often clothes that I don't think I should splurge on just yet or house stuff that I really want for this house I'm going to live in one day. And I put all these different things on it. And one of which was a picture of the Conan set. And I pulled the jumpsuit out of my closet because I had shoved it to the back, I think around like March when I 
finally accepted I wasn't doing the show, I shoved the jumpsuit to the back, like, fuck you, jumpsuit. You think you're going to mock me? And when I got back from this DC trip and before the psychiatrist appointment, I pulled the jumpsuit back to the center of my closet where I could see it. And I tried, first I tried it on, make sure it still fit. It did. And then I put it in my closet and I said to myself, you're going to wear this to something special. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a T, it might, you know, it might be a TV thing. It might be an, an a family event. It might just be a really special day. Who knows? But this, this jumpsuit is not a representation of being a failure. This jumpsuit is a piece of clothing that you invested in and you love. And it felt like it was made for you. And this outfit really expresses your personality. And it's just a beautiful piece of clothing that I feel connected to. For anyone who knows me in real life or follows me online, you know that I love, 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 love vintage clothing and clothes are really important to me and and not like in like a I don't really know like runway fashion shit but like I know beautiful colors and uh yeah I just love a certain aesthetic of like groovy 70s a little bit of 80s a little bit of 60s mostly 70s uh vibe and anywho so uh then I go to the psychiatrist and God, did she make me feel incredible? I, her office is, it, it looks like it's like a corporate office building and like as if she's there after hours. I don't know. I, I was very confused by the setup and I walk into her office and, um, she has, you know, socks and sandals on and she's buried in paperwork and she's got gray hair and she's this cute Jewish woman and she's everything I wanted in a therapist. And I tell her everything, how I'm feeling. I tell her all the stuff in the journal and this kid go off and on medication, my ups and downs. And then, you know, she starts asking questions about my family. I should tell her everything. And, and she just so kindly uh, like makes my heart tingle right now. She just, the way she said to me, sounds like that sounds really hard. Yeah. I, I understand why you feel that way. It sounds, I, I understand your, de- you, you have depression and anxiety. And she was so matter of fact about it. She was so just uh, soothing and, and did it make me feel like it was my fault? I, I guess that was like a, deep-seated thought maybe that I thought like this was my fault somehow that I was like lazy and that's why I was depressed and you know I was a failure that's why I was depressed and and if only I you know was I don't know healthier or meditated more or whatever it was and and she just validated me so much and it was so great and you know she wanted me to get tested for ADHD well I suggested ADHD because you know, as many of us know, you know, anxiety can look like ADHD, ADHD can look like anxiety. If you have ADHD and it's untreated, it can make you depressed, but depression can also manifest as anxiety, you know, like all the mental stuff, uh, it ebbs and flows into each other. And so I was sort of having a hard time concentrating. I don't know if you've ever taken an ADHD test, but I got to say, even if you don't have ADHD, it's hard. I, I was, I don't, 
think I have it. They said I didn't have it, but um, she wanted to rule that out. Um, but the test is like, you have to put like triangle pieces into the right shape and then move the shapes. And it's just a lot. And there's like questions about states and capitals. And I don't know what that has to do with ADHD, but like, I don't know that shit. I have to Google stuff. Um, do you think anyone knows anything now that Google exists? Anyways, I, you know, so she sort of lightly diagnoses me in, in the first session, but she wants to kind of rule out other stuff and, um, you know, pretty much sounds like I have what I thought I had, which is depression and generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety. And, uh, you know, Zoloft was working, go back on the Zoloft. And it was like a pretty easy transition. And, and then I go and see her the following week. Uh, oh my gosh, was it after the first appointment or no, I believe it was my second appointment with her the following week. Yeah. Um, and I now at this point, been on Zoloft for a week. That's right. Yeah. Cause I started taking it, I think immediately cause I had some at my house and I just took it like the second I got home from the appointment. And um, I am leaving my second appointment and I have a voicemail and I used to see her at night. I think I said that. And so it's like nine o'clock at night and I have this voicemail and it's the booker JP of Conan. Uh, and he's like, Hey, I know this is totally random, but do you want to do stand up on the show tomorrow? So it's now November. I had been approved back in January in March or April, I had accepted and grieved the fact that I was never going to do it. I was never going to do late night. I was never going to be anything, you know, very dramatically. And then in October, I hit a, a peak dip in my depression. And then now it's November and I'm uh, on the upswing. I'm on medication. I'm seeing a psychiatrist and I get a call to do the show tomorrow. And the first thing I thought of was like, thank thank. God, I bought that jumpsuit um, and didn't wear it anywhere else yet because, you know, I want to debut it on television. And I, without even thinking, said to the booker, I go, you know, I have to be honest with you. I was really like upset with you for the last year because I thought that you had ghosted me. And I don't know why I told him that. I don't even know why I needed to, but I, I don't know. It felt really good to like, I mean, to be honest, I feel like answering in that way was proving to me that I was coming out of my depressive state because a depressed me would have responded to the, do you want to do this tomorrow with a, yes, because it's my only chance ever and like would have freaked out. And probably not been very good on the show, to be honest. Like, I don't think my anxiety could have handled it. Because uh, it's it's a nerve-wracking situation to do comedy, you know, on television. And it's timed. And I can't ad-lib or swear. And I'm trying to not say um and like all the time like I do. And so the fact that my response at first was... <laughs> being honest about my feelings with a booker, like, okay, Julia, you just saw a psychiatrist. Do you have to talk to the next person you see also like they're a psychiatrist? No, but I did. And then the next thing I said, which was so great is I was like, can I, can you give me a few minutes and I'll get back to you? 
And he said, sure. And so I called my husband. He lives with our friend, Jordan Temple, uh, which was, was a great person for him to be with because I asked my husband, I go, so this is what happened. I just got the call. Do you think that I should? And without even hesitating, he goes, yes, of course you should. And I was like, really? And then he told Jordan, Jordan's like, yes, of course you should. And I was like, why? I'm like, and Will's like, because you can do it. Like you, you can do this. I was like, yeah, I can do this. And so I got off the phone and I immediately texted a comedy store and then Sam Varela, who's this booker in Los Angeles, a lovely gal, and asked uh, both of them if I could come by and do five minutes. Sam got back to me first, said yes. Um, I didn't even want to go do, I, I think the comedy store said yes as well, but I had to get there like right away and I, didn't want to rush. And I also didn't know that I wanted to run it more than once because I just wanted to run it once. So I knew the order and could feel it in my body once, but I didn't want to risk the, I don't know, for me personally, I'm just the kind of person where I didn't want to run it multiple times and either like get sick of it. Cause I can get sick of things easily or have a bad set and then doubt myself. So I go and run the set. It goes fine. And then I do the show the next day and it was so great and it was such a wonderful experience. I had so much fun. And the best part about it was when I was done, um, Conan and Andy Richter come over and, you know, say thanks so much. And it's the end of the show and they're clapping and waving and Conan leans over and says, great job. And I say, thank you. And go and, you know, also, you know, thank you for having me, but also thank you. Um, I listened to your episode of Fresh Air last week and I was, you know, trying to come out of a really bad depression and um, having a hard time accepting that I needed to be on medication. I said this a lot shorter, but the gist of what I said to Conan was, you know, thank you so much because of that episode and because of where I was in my life. You really helped me commit to going back on medication and taking care of my mental health. And he and I just shared this moment and I think he was really moved by it. I was really moved by it. I have like tingles right now talking about it. And he just said, thank you so much for telling me that. And I was like, thank you so much. And I don't think I hugged him. I should have. I wanted to. But I was also just like, ah, I just did stand up on late night, you know, and um. I left um, and uh, I'm Gary Goldman, who is an amazing comic. If you don't know who that is, he has a phenomenal stand-up special. I believe it's available on HBO called the great depression. He talks so openly about mental health and depression in such a glorious way because it's so fucking funny. He just, I know comedy is subjective, but I think most people would agree that he's a comedic genius. And uh, I had the, pleasure of opening for him for a few shows a few years ago. Um, he uh, was giving these comedy tips on Twitter uh, for a year. He would put a new tip online. And one of the tips was, two of the tips that I really stood out to me was, um, if you do late night, make sure that you get your cue cards, because they have these cue cards that say, you know, this next comic coming to the stage and with your name phonetically spelled. It's like, make sure you get the cue cards and frame them. Uh, cause that's, you know, something you, you earned, you, you know, 
a memento you, you would want to have. Don't forget. And then the other thing he said was, if you ever have the, I want to say honor, I don't know if he used the word honor, but basically the gist was if you ever get the honor of doing late night, stand up on late night, really soak in how special it is and how impressed younger you would be of older you. And those two things really like stuck within me. I remember them. I think about them all the time because I also apply that whole notion of, you know, think of younger you looking at older you. And I do that all the time now, not just about stand up or being on television, but like younger me would be like, holy shit, like you're in a healthy relationship. You married somebody that like you like and have like a cool relationship with. Oh my God. Younger me would be like, you're like a fun mom and you're just doing a great job. And younger me would love the way I dress and the friends that I've had the honor of making and the people I surround myself with and the people I know and the experiences I've had and the travels I've done and the way I've grown and the relationship I've cultivated with my parents, like younger me, I think would just think I was the coolest. And like, I wish I was, I wish I allowed myself to be this cool when I was younger. Uh, but yeah. And I think about that all the time. And, and uh, so I go, I go back in and I make sure to, to grab my cue cards and um, driving home in the car service, which I love when I get car service to film something. And I get home with my husband and we drink champagne and I just, I just felt so full. And on top of that, something that I had struggled with when I was depressed and anxious, um, was feeling like I wasn't good enough to be a mom or that if I became a mom, if I ever had a child, I would fuck this kid up because I would dump all my baggage on them and I'm too depressed. I'm too anxious. And what if I feel suicidal on this kid? Now I have to fucking live because I have this kid and, and, you know, I'm just a mess and, you know, and I'd be anxious about like, how am I going to protect my child from ever feeling as shitty as I feel? And just like all this, all this, shit just built up in me. And and the truth was I was starting to think about having a child and wanting a child uh, because I was in this great relationship with my husband and I wanted his child. And I think this is cosmic. I don't know. But when I went and saw the psychiatrist, when I committed to my mental health, because to me, committing to the medication and seeing a psychiatrist was committing to my mental health and making sure that is a top priority above career worth. My career is fucking meaningless. Career is meaningless if you are not taking care of yourself. And so I made my mental health a top priority and I believed in myself and I believed it wasn't my fault. And I believed that I deserved joy, whatever that means at least more joy than pain, if if possible. And when I mean pain, I know that world pain and event pain is inevitable, but I'm talking about the pain that I was, that was unnecessary. Depression's an unnecessary pain. And if you can ease that pain in a healthy way, 
by all means. So a week after I did Conan, I found out I was pregnant, which just felt so right because I had made space to bring a life into this world, I think, by clearing out some of that space that was being taken up by depression and anxiety. Um, that's how I see it. So yeah, that's my Conan depression, mental health medication. And I, I did, I stayed on Zoloft when I was pregnant. I think I've mentioned that before in the show. Um, I feel really comfortable talking about it. If anyone is listening and is pregnant or considering getting pregnant and you've been told, or you've, you thought you have to go off your medication. I know there's certain medications you can't be on. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if you know that, but I'm not a doctor. Um, but you can, from what I was told by my doctor and the research I did and my psychiatrist and my OBGYN both agreed staying on an SSRI is fine. Um, in fact, it was probably really beneficial because if I hadn't been on medication, I might've been a really depressed and anxious pregnant person. And I might've passed that along to my child and made the womb really uncomfortable for her. And I might've had severe postpartum if I wasn't already medicated or who knows, but I'm really grateful that I could stay. I'm really grateful that I was on a medication that I was able to stay on while pregnant. And uh, so please don't quit your medication cold turkey if you're pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant. Like talk to your doctor, talk to your mental health professional, come up with a plan. But, you know, there's, I have no shame about it. Um, in fact, I'm proud of it because I think it's helped me be what I think is like a pretty good mom. I know today I looked at my phone a lot while I was hanging out with her. So I'm not the best mom, but I just confessed that. So it's okay. Wow. Why did I need to share that? That's another thing that should have gone on my journal and not on here. Okay. So I thought this episode was just going to be a 15 minute quick story. It's almost been 45 minutes. And I am really glad I shared that story. And I'm really glad that, um, you know, Conan changed my life and medication changed my life. And I hope uh, maybe this story changed your life somehow um, or put you in a better mood or made you feel better. Um, so yeah, um, that's it. Uh, I will be back next week with a guest. And uh, if you like this podcast, please, as always, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.